<laughs> Good job, guys. Thanks for carrying me through. <laughs> Matt. If I go into the automotive industry, my goal as a Christian is not to turn the automotive industry into the Christian automotive industry, right? right? Or like the church of the automotive industry. Right. That's not my goal. My goal is to make good cars mm-hmm. and where whatever my job is. But right. then also, yeah, if God gives opportunity to share the gospel, I still I'm going to be a good faithful Christian. So I might read my Bible on break, and I mm-hmm. people might see me pray, but I'm not going to force people to pray. I'm not going to force people to read their Bible. Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable. It's good to be with you today as we uh, and get together again for another discussion and conversation. Um, Pastors of the Roundtable is the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church and is brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. Our goal together as we sit around the table and with you today is to encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and to connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Uh, sitting around this actual round table with me are Scott Slater, family pastor here at MMBC, Matt Bates, music and media pastor, Tim Michelangeli, lead pastor of MMBC, and my name is Spencer Snow. I'm the discipleship pastor here at the church. Do you have all that memorized yet? No, uh, no I still look at a piece of paper. I still always find it better to, to read <laughs> to read it off of. Um, it sounds con- the same kind every of, episode. So would you be like Anchorman if one day we switched your paper to say something <laughs> else? Would you read whatever we put down? <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, uh, I, I think I could read a teleprompter, but so anyway, they have some, by the way, they have one of those things at, um, if you want to try it out in Toledo, what's that uh, really cool museum for it kids? It Kosai. It's uh yeah, imagination. Yeah. yeah, they've got one where where you can practice like you're a TV anchor, cool. reporter, or somebody, and you're actually reading the thing. Oh, it's it's pretty cool. I did I'd it with really the kids. Good at it. You do it, and then you go back around and watch yourself on video do it. <laughs> oh man, it's kind of funny. <laughs> I want to go there. So they had that at one of the Hall of Fames I went, where you were like a Sports Center, ESPN Sports Center guy. Oh really? You're doing a game, and you had to like supposed to do oh. your own things. It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he did this. Oh, look at that. Oh, man. Too fast. <laughs> oh, and he uh, missed that. Uh, he got that one. Okay. <laughs> good job. Well, good again? job. Okay. Do better. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what all they, the, the like when they interview people yeah. after games, right. like, yeah, we didn't do a good job. We need to do better. Right. Yeah. No, <laughs> it was a tough time. You know, out there, we're just playing ball. And uh, yeah, we're just going to have to keep coming back together and just play yeah, ball. Yeah, we all time. just came back and rallied. and. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tim's the athlete here, kind of grimacing at our amateurish suggestions about... Monday and yesterday was the Lions' first game, and right. we heard that. You know what's on me, guys, as a coach? <laughs> no, I don't, think, man, I don't think they should do that anymore. I think the coach of the Lions should just say, we're the Lions. What do you, this is, you hired me to do this. You hired me to do this. Um, My dad always says, snatching defeat from the hands of victory. That's the Lions that's, motto right uh, there. <laughs> Well, it's a it's a tradition, yeah. even if it's a tradition. We'll see him Thanksgiving Day again. Um, okay, so this episode just kind of a one off. One time we did a conversation about um, kind of COVID before we talked about um, um, just kind of what the COVID situation had kind of unmasked. We kind of just kind of kind of just uh, we hadn't done an episode about that in a while, and so we we did that um, two episodes ago. And today I wanted to talk about something 
that can be controversial in circles, um, but it's about how we as Christians should understand politics. Um, and particularly as we approach it as we're pastors um, and as we wear the hat of being a member of our church and as Christians, um, how do we think about these things um, and, and how do we wrestle with these things? I think one of the things that's really become apparent, we, we're all cognizant of it, that um, along with uh, the uh, pandemic coronavirus uh, stuff that we've gone through, we're also living in very intense uh, political uh, times, times of intense political feeling um, on the right and on the left. People are very um, heightened in their emotions and in their uh, convictions and in their commitments um, towards various political ideas. And one of the things that's happened here as Christians, we've seen this, is that one of the things that the coronavirus, COVID, has actually unmasked, I think, for us as Christians is um, kind of differences within churches and, and by people who uh, both sides would say that they believe the scriptures. You're seeing different responses to, to how the church and the state should relate to one another. We're seeing differences of opinion and perspective on what the Bible teaches us. And I think one of the things that's shown us is that there, there's, there are differences where maybe before we didn't see those as much. Uh, before. Additionally, we live in the midst of a, a presidential election year in 2020, and I think there's a lot of Christians who are wondering uh, perhaps what is right, how they should respond appropriately. We've got questions of of uh, social justice questions that are being asked in the, in the society at large and in within the church as well. And so people are wondering, what is uh, right for me as a Christian? What should I do? How do I think about these things? And one of the things that I want to do on this podcast um, today, and I think we're all agreed on this, is we're not here to give you specific answers to some of these questions. We're not here to tell you who to vote for or who God wants you to vote for or what you should do about this specific political issue. But what I want to do is just kind of... Um, kind of deal with the issue at large and specifically what we can say the Bible says to us um, about it um, and, and, and how we deal with some of these things. Because I think Christians in general are being forced and we're, we're being caused to think about these things in ways perhaps that we, we, we weren't before. Any comments about that in general before we dive in, guys? You're trying to get us fired. <laughs> trying to get you fired. <laughs> Well, we'll see if this podcast makes the cut. Um, if it, yeah. Um, okay. First of all, one of the things I want to talk to you, especially you, Tim. He's <laughs> trying to get you fired. Okay. So, first of all, one of the things that if someone comes to our church, they will notice about you in particular with the preaching of the word is if they show up at MMBC and hear you preach a sermon week after week, I've noticed they're not going to get specific directives about who they're going to vote for or who they should vote for. They're not going to get specific directives about, um, you know, certain political things. Why is that? And why do you take that stance? And why do you think the church should take that stance um, with regards to political issues? Well, because I don't think that's my job. Uh, my job on Sunday mornings are... Uh, at a corporate worship service, yeah. usually it's my job to get up and to preach God's word. And so, how we normally do that here is we take a 
passage of scripture, whether we're going through a book of the Bible or whatever, we take a passage of scripture and we try to stay within that passage of scripture and speak to what it's saying. So, thus, I mean, it's really hard to find a place in scripture that's going to tell us who to vote for specifically, right? Right. So we can't really just lay that out there. Um, but also, I'm more concerned with people's spiritual position, spiritual health, spiritual well-being. And so right. my goal is to point them to the one who can do something about that, mm. who I believe is not the government or anything like that or policy. It's to Christ. So that's my goal is to get is to get to Christ. Now, that being said, I mean, I think if you're preaching the Bible faithfully and teaching the Bible faithfully, that you will trust that the people who are listening are going to be wise enough to pick up within their, okay, if the Bible says this, then this policy is probably wrong. You know what I mean? Right. Or uh, this particular candidate backs this, 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 and this, of which Scripture does speak to those things, kind of. You know, mm-hmm. I, when I look at it from a biblical worldview, this isn't right, and this isn't right, and this isn't right, and this person's backing those things, thus I probably shouldn't vote for that person. Mm-hmm. I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit will work in the lives of Christians, individual Christians, to then go out and be good citizens and do what we have the privilege of doing, of voting here in this country, to then vote as a Christian, not as what Pastor Tim told you to vote for, right? Or what me as a church, or what the church has told you to vote for, but no, you as a Christian who love the scriptures, who've dived into this, dove into the scriptures, this is then how you are voting. And we understand also, that everything we vote for pretty much is flawed within it, right? We can nitpick right. it away to where there's not a single man or woman we could ever vote for. Right. If we're looking for... Are you serious? My mic's not on? Oh. It's all right. You still picking it up? All right. See, Matt tried to be professional and discreet. And else. <laughs> I tried. Nope. Don't need. Nope. <laughs> nope. We don't need so, to be professional around here. Start that whole thing over. No, <laughs> you do your job editing and make this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's oh, funny. Um, but anyways, we could nitpick, right? And we could, sure. do it, and then and then we would all have to kind of come under the decision. Well, we can't vote because. Right. No matter how we vote, it's going to be bad. And I don't think that's the answer either. I don't think right. that's the call because we're not voting for a savior. We're not voting for a policy that we think is going to bring salvation to America right. or anything like that. That That's very separate. The, the church's job is to do those things, to point people to Christ. It's government's job then to, is to take care mm-hmm. of government and those right. things. Sure. Right? They're very separate. And so... I want it to remain separate. Right. So that our commission as pastors is limited. Yeah. And what limits it is the scripture. Mm-hmm. Right. So really this is a question of, uh, it's a question of hermeneutics. It's a question of how do I understand what the Bible says by what it means? Because, and I think Christian church members should be encouraged by that because as pastors, I can't tell you to do anything if I can't show you from the scriptures that you should do it. Because ultimately it's not you, mm-hmm. it's not me that you should obey. 
I'm, I'm simply supposed to be the instrument to tell you what God says in the Bible, mm-hmm. right? And so everything that comes from the pulpit or that comes um, in scripture reading or whatever we're doing as pastors is worse simply to be the human instruments of God applying the text of scripture to the people of God, correct? Yeah. And that limits us it in a lot of things that we can't talk about right. because they're not the things God wants us to talk mm-hmm. about, right? Yeah. There are things, though, that we that we can talk about yeah. because we think Scripture speaks specifically to that. Now, that's normally going to be policy things that come out, right, that we see. So a big example, I guess, would be abortion, where a lot of churches will come out and say, abortion is wrong. Right. We should fight against abortion. It's not a good thing for our country to have. It's not a good thing for women, even though that's what you hear. This, right. this is bad. And they maybe people will come back and say, what gives you the right to say that? We can say, well, I can go to Scripture right. and show you what life is and mm-hmm. what Scripture says of when life starts. I can right. show you verses that speak to this specifically, so then I can specifically speak to this yes, situation, yes. right? Yeah. Um, and me, and there's and there's other ones that we've fought, right? Um, with marriage and the family, like there's these certain things that God really speaks to that right. we say we can take a stand here. There's probably even times with, uh, you know, caring for caring for people, policies with caring for people, whether it be homeless people or whatever. There's there's ways that we could speak to that. You know, if they're like, right. well, we decided we're just gonna kill everybody who makes this much money and less. Right. We would stand up against that and say, "Correct, no, this is wrong." Right. Right. So there's times definitely can have a, a voice in sure. those because Scripture speaks to those very clearly. Right. But again, our jobs as pastors is to have Lord's Supper, right? To do the the ordinances mm-hmm. of baptism, Lord's Supper, to do worship, to do these things that God has given us within the church. That's my focus that's my task right that he has laid before me right not not the politics side because we're not the kings of the church no there's only one Mm -hmm. king of the church and he's told us in the scripture what he wants us to say and it's just to simply pass on his word to the people of god and to the world outside us Mm -hmm. also one of the things we don't want to do is we don't want politics if we have a person who is uh maybe an unbeliever coming to our church, and they come from a certain political persuasion, we do not want politics to get in the way of them coming to Christ. Because if they hear you say stuff political, they're going to turn off probably what you're going to say about the grace of Jesus Christ, right? Um, Now, if we're saying, well, this is what the Bible says, and this Bible says this thing is sin, because we can point to it in the text, Mm -hmm. and then we can also point to the gospel of Christ, um, well, then we may be, we're going to have an opening, and, and if they do reject us, it's because they're not rejecting us, they're rejecting the Word right. and not rejecting our political platform, correct? Yeah. Um, and I think that's so important because one of the things that you see churches do is they get involved in all sorts of other things right? other than what they're supposed to be doing, which is passing on the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. I think what ends up happening, like the example you just gave, is really helpful about an unbeliever that would come in. If you start speaking outright politically, but not simply biblically, I think what that does is that so many conversations we could have, you say one or two statements or phrases, and depending on the way that you say it or the way you identify the issue, people will think automatically, I know where their loyalties lie. 
Right. I know who they affiliate with, and they're just going to go with this group or that group or whatever. But we have to try to approach it in a way that communicates our loyalties lie with the Word of God. Right. Not with a specific group of people uh, that would be of a particular <clears throat> political persuasion. Mm. Yeah. So affiliations become very touchy when it comes to talking about our church is affiliated with this. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of boundaries then there that we as pastors would want to put up. We, there's a lot of questions that we would ask to say, are we going to hitch on to you and what you stand for and what you believe of whatever, of whatever it may be? But aside from the church, I could hitch myself maybe with some people I don't agree with when it comes to their faith and what they have their faith in spiritually. But we're both fighting for something that I am for in, um, you know, opening a park in somewhere, right? And I'm right. willing to join with them as Tim, the citizen, and, and fight with them. And so I'll attach on to them in this, but not in the name of the church, mm. right? Not in the name of, mm-hmm. of MMBC or not even in the name of Christ am I coming to hitch to because that's limited. There's, right. there's a lot of things I'm, I'm not... I don't want to join that that church, even though I like the cause. But if I'm joining as my church and their church, I don't really want to see our churches together because it can get people confused that that we have the same beliefs or these different things. And so we have to be cautious in that. I listened to a podcast recently, Spencer, you did too, where they where they talked about that and almost even encouraged churches when they were doing like um, uh, work for. Uh, for your community mm-hmm. and different things, right. saying don't even attach your church's name to it. Right. Just have people do it because that's what we are to do as Christians. Sure. Don't, you don't need Monroe Missionary Baptist Church to go to the soup kitchen. Right. A group of Christians can just go to the soup kitchen, mm-hmm. right? But when you start attaching your church's name to these things, then you got to look into the organization of the soup kitchen, kind of. And you right. got to start there. All this stuff gets really tangled mm-hmm. in. And but the church has been so bad, I would say, in the past of mixing those up. Yeah. That it is. You you might say, you get confused even just saying, "Oh, it's a Baptist church." You, that don't mean anything anymore necessarily. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. You know. Right. And what you're saying is tied into a, a. We can kind of transition to a topic here, but we as Christians, as Protestant Christians, and particularly, this is helpful. This is one area where the Baptist tradition is very strong. I think historically in the past, at least, even if today we may have not be where we once were, but we, we always have believed that there are two kingdoms in mm-hmm. this world, yeah. right? That there's God rules over the whole world, but he does so in two different ways, maybe two different realms. On the one hand, he rules the church through his scripture. He does through um, pastors, his grace, through Jesus Christ. And he also rules the whole world in his providence and in his uh, through creation, right? So he rules the whole world. And as Christians, we're citizens of both realms. Mm-hmm. We're citizens of this world, mm-hmm. but we're also citizens of the next world. Yeah. Whereas people who are non-Christians are not citizens of the kingdom of grace. They're only citizens of the kingdom of this world. Mm-hmm. And so that's so important though, because... Um, we as Christians live in a dual, we have a dual citizenship. We have a citizenship ultimately and primarily with Christ in the next world, but we're still here 
Mm-hmm. And so we still interact with unbelievers and we still share in these common grace things in this world. So marriage is part of common grace, uh, living on the same street with your neighbor and uh, sharing uh, maybe a community park or being a part of the same city council or whatever that may be. Those are common grace things. And those are good things. They're not salvific, but they're still good. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we live in these two realms, and I think one of the things that happens is is that Christians, they blend the two together so that right. they forget that I'm wearing my, whenever I'm in this realm, I'm wearing a hat that I'm not in the next realm. Now, I'm the same person, but I do have different roles and responsibilities, and God works <laughs> differently in, in those two realms. That's why we're so big on maintaining the spirituality of the church so that we preach the gospel, we're stuck with this book. Mm-hmm. But the Bible doesn't tell me what Monroe City Council should do on this or that project with the streets, right? right yeah, yeah. It doesn't give me and tell me exactly what I should do. God has given us reason and common sense and understanding and, mm-hmm. and basic moral outlines as to how we should function in the world. Um, and I think that's a, the, the understanding those categories and understanding those distinctions actually helps us to be better Christians because we're actually maintaining the gospel more purely, but it also helps us to be better citizens because we're, we're not feeling so guilty about working alongside uh, people who are unbelievers, maybe mm-hmm. people who are Muslims or people who are just agnostics or atheists, but we can work together for good out in the world together sure. with them mm-hmm. because it's not a churchly thing we're doing. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, that makes complete sense to me. So, so our task as a church is limited. That's why we don't... Um, that's why we don't, as a church state, because we can't tell you from the word of God that God says to vote for this or that person. I can't tell you from the word of God about um, what foreign policy you should advocate as a country, right? And, yeah, and what happens, though, sometimes with Christian people is they do equate their political side mm-hmm. to Scripture. And right. it almost sounds like they're saying, this is the foreign policy stance that Christ makes. Right. And if you don't take it, you're probably not a Christian. Right. And it's like, what? Yeah. Where, what are you yeah. talking about here? Right. Or, you know, I want my street paved above that street, and that's what God would want. Right. And then, therefore, that's what everybody wants. And it's like, man, we, we're taking that a little too far. And when we, when we take hard stances like that, we have to understand that that is what we are saying. If right. you're a Christian, you're going to vote this way. Okay, thus, then what you're saying. Right. Is, they are sinning if yeah, they're not they voting this They are sinning way. if they are not. You're telling right. me it's that scriptural, right. that obvious in there, right. that this is wrong. And that's, you do hear that, though. I mean, right. we've heard it even with the how masks and the COVID stuff has been politicized. You've heard church leaders, some come out and say stances like, if you don't do this, mm-hmm. you're not being a faithful church. Right. Really? Right. And it's... I, I find that very difficult to read when yeah. those people say that. Like, man, that is, that's a tough statement that you just said. Right. Um, but right. it's been so politicized and we've allowed that into the church so much that it's almost become expected for people to mm. make those stances. So let's go through a couple of things here real quick. And I just want to throw out some issues. And you tell me how clear the Bible is on this or not and how you would preach on this. So, for instance, the first one, easy one, abortion. 
Is the Bible clear on abortion, about the ethical nature of abortion? Yes. I believe so. Yes. It tells us what life is, made in the image of God. Even, you know, David talks about being known in his mother's womb, his days planned for him, really shows right. from conception. Like, we can go all the way to there, which really speaks clearly to us then about abortion. So we, as pastors, are within mm. our commission from Christ to preach that abortion is sin in God's sight, wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And that any anything that leads to that is also wrong, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? I mean, anything that leads yeah, to that, right? We yeah. would be within the bounds of the spirituality of the church to say mm-hmm. that. Okay, secondly, what political candidate to vote for? Does the Bible tell us that we should tell Christians that God wants them to vote for this person or that? No. And it's interesting because Paul was in a very political climate. Mm-hmm in in rome and no doubt I, i'm reading a book right now that pointed this out paul was a really smart guy mm-hmm. so to think he didn't know about the political situations that were going on is ridiculous he appealed to caesar right he knew his rights like he knew all of these things yet never in any letter anywhere shape or form does he say we got to get this nero guy out right we got to vote these people into the senate he doesn't say that he never takes the time to talk mm-hmm. about that to these churches mm. because he had a bigger, in my opinion, a bigger commission mm-hmm. for him. And I think that kind of, that opens up the topic. So Spencer, when you said earlier that we live in two worlds and you, you say sometimes the spirituality of the church mm-hmm. and this, and what we're talking about, I think sometimes when we, t- when we use language like that, that's not very familiar mm-hmm. to maybe an everyday person, we kind of lose them. And so I see what you just said, him as like a good explanation of what that means is that whether or not one political party is in control of the white house the senate the house things like that that doesn't change what our commission is as a church right like we're still capable of making disciples as Mm -hmm. a church and that's what we are primarily focusing on our primary focus is never to see certain political persuasions come into power. Um, that's not our goal. Right. Uh, we might fight for that as citizens using the Christian principles that we have from Scripture. Right. But as a church, as a whole, our primary focus and mission is fulfilling this great commission, making disciples, mm-hmm. glorifying God. I think that just kind of brings down to earth a little bit what we mean mm-hmm. by that. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. And Paul definitely had political opinions. I would assume, as anybody does. Yeah, no But it's doubt. fascinating. Whenever he writes to the early churches, he never once mentions those Mm-mm. because that's not what he was sent for. Mm. He was sent by the Lord of the church to teach the gospel to the church mm. and to unbelievers. And that's what we're sent to do as yeah. the church. Right. We are not sent to... Paul. God, Jesus did not leave a political platform. Right. He left the law to tell us about our sin and the gospel to tell us about how we can be reconciled to a holy God. But he did not leave to us a political platform for the transformation yeah. of society. And having said that, too, I think, I mean, you, you're going through this little list of, of mm-hmm. examples, but I mean, I think we would all say that there are probably some political policies that are a little more clearly defined yeah. from a scriptural perspective versus this is actually kind of up to your conscience. Yeah. And, and that, and like you vote your conscience on this. But there are things that we as pastors can speak into right. because Scripture does more clearly speak into this kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so it's we have to use wisdom and good judgment right. as well. 
homosexual marriage. Is that clear from the Bible? Can yes. I say so? Yes. yes. Romans. Yes. So it is sin, according to the Bible, correct? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's an issue of where we as pastors feel totally confident from the scriptures saying this is wrong and anything that leads to that is wrong. And any, any government that endorses what God reprehend, you know, what God condemns, mm-hmm. that is wrong. Correct. Um, economic policy. Does the Bible tell us that what economic policy we should have, whether or not we should raise a certain tax or lower a certain tax or, or, uh, in, right, no, I tells mean, us to be good stewards. You got that with general our money, general principle as Christians, yeah. right? But well, it doesn't specifically, no, no, correct. There are principles that speak to it, but economic theory is extremely complex, right? And there are so many nuances in, it, and there's so many factors to consider. So it's a, it's not as simple as like the question of abortion. That's a complex issue, right. but the Bible draws a hard and fast line when right. you get to right. a certain point. Right. It doesn't when it comes to economics. Right. Right. The Bible gives us a general principle to individuals that you're to be good stewards of your funds. Mm-hmm. But as far as like, you know, the Bible is not written like um, Adam Smith, The Wealth of the Nations was a famous book that was a famous economics book written in the past. The Bible doesn't give us that. It's not meant to be an economics textbook. And so we can have discussions about what our economy should look like. We can have discussions. That's an, among Christians. That is an open-ended discussion. Um, social security. Does the Bible talk about whether or not how I should view social security? No. No. Okay. Right on. No, I think, and I think what we're seeing here is the Bible is clear on moral issues, but on these other issues about how exactly we want to do these things or other things like social security, right? Great example of Christian. You can be a Christian and be on different sides of that issue. Right. Right. Because now, I mean, I, I, I think you could almost say it. as a Christian, like you should take care of your parents, like, and you should yeah. respect them and honor sure. them. And like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you could speak into it that way. And that's one of those issues that maybe we've handed over to the government mm-hmm. that maybe the church should have been a little better with, you know, with encouraging it, individuals encur- to say, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? And right. I mean, but, as a Is national it bad policy, for them to have social security. No, I mean, yeah. right. <laughs> so it, this might spice things up a little bit. Oh, don't do <laughs> I think there probably are people out there that would say the Bible does speak to social security, like in passages like you see in James, where you care for orphans and widows. That's not specifically social security, mm-hmm. but they would use a passage like that to say. We clearly have a mandate to care for people. Yeah, that but can't that's care the church. Themselves. I would say that's the mandate on the church to care for orphans and widows. I would agree right. with you. But they would say, as a Christian, though, I should be pushing this policy. Mm. And they wouldn't just use that. They would say, when Jesus said, when you care for the least of these, you care for me. In the Old Testament, when Israel was given commands about how to tend their fields, they were supposed to leave like the edges of their fields and not get on people that were coming through. So there's this sense of caring for people that don't have. I'm just throwing that out. I think people, Christians, would look at the Bible and say, but there are clear passages where you're supposed to care for people that can't care for themselves. I'm just trying to spice it up a little bit. Right. I, that's why I'm trying to answer. But then you keep telling me I'm wrong on my answer. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I would say, again, I would say this is, this is written, with, you know, that's being written in James to individual Christians to do this. 
to do these things. This is what pure religion is, is mm. to care for orphans and widows. And so then it's the job of the church to preach this to the churches. Mm. We need You as individuals need to care for orphans and widows. And I would say, stop making the government have to do that. If the government does that, great. I mean, we can say that's great. If they don't do that, it's fine. It's not their mandate. It's our mandate as Christians to take sure. care of these people, of the, of these who are facing these situations. It's it's my job to make to care for my mother and my father. It's great if the government helps out in that. Like that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. But I shouldn't necessarily expect that they have to do that, right? And so there again, that's that two worlds thing where we start to throw some of the some of the things that the church is called to do. We start to throw it onto the government, which mm-hmm. is unfair of us to do. Same way we don't want the government throwing things on us that it's like, whoa, mm-hmm. you can't mandate that for me, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, I would kind of push back and say that's that's an issue here is you're, you're pushing something onto the government that, again, if they want to do that, that's fine. And Regardless can, of whether or not they do it, right. you're still required to take care, yeah. take interest yeah, in other exactly. people. Yeah. yeah, like, oh, they got my dad, so he's good. Right, you can't, <laughs> pass, you can't pass the buck here, right? There's no way you can do that biblically. You Regardless, right. you, have right. to, mm-hmm. you have to do that. Okay, foreign policy. I'm not too good at foreign policy, I don't think. Um, didn't study that much, but right. no. I mean, right. with respect to life and people being made in the image sure. of God, I'm sure there's, those bigger categories. there's some of those bigger categories that right. maybe you would speak into, you know, right. uh, we would have to we would have to deal with. And even that stuff can get muddy at right. times when you, when you dive into it. But yeah, in general... There are certain things, yeah. And gen- there's general principles, but there's a lot of specifics that we could we could all debate, and that we just don't know. I'm not right. in those positions, right? right? There's things going on I have no idea about. Right. Type of government. Does the Bible tell us that we should have a monarchy, a republic? Um, I mean, what does the Bible specifically tell us? I think it kind of teaches that no matter what government you have, it's going to fail. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Because our, it's yeah. not our salvation. Right. right. And, it, and in fact, the only government that works is a monarchy, but right. with God on the throne. So, um, should we, you know, cause some Christians will, will go to the old Testament and say, well, we should try to replicate that as much as possible. The Old Testament government of Israel is that required of us as believers to try to replicate Israel's no. civic government? Mm-hmm. Okay, that would be known as theonomy. Yeah, right? which is like <laughs> what the Muslims are trying to do. Sure. Which, yeah, to an extent, the Roman Catholic Church really got into really mixing church and state mm. and all these things. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's a dangerous right. Place so, to so go. just because Israel did it in the Old Testament doesn't mean that that specific application is required of of the United States of America in the 21st century, correct? Correct. Correct. I think they're reading an indicative into that. Well, no, and, uh, and, yeah, a command into that word. Right. Not a command. Well, we've moved on in redemptive history, haven't yeah, we? No From the, there's, there's no, no more, more theocracy. Holy of holies. There's no more this There's stuff. no more theocracy. Israel was a once in a... <clears throat> Well, not lifetime, but once in a world situation. There's no more theocracy. Um, there's just a, uh, a universal reign of Jesus Christ. So, um, uh, but uh, anyway, so we can. <laughs> Scott's smiling at me right now. Um, so we got two kingdoms. We, we, we see these things. So we, our, our commission as Christians is we got general principles on the big issues of life, on a lot of the specific applications underneath that. Mm-hmm. The Bible's not so clear on, 
right? I mean, and we leave that for Christians to talk about, to um, debate. Now, let me ask you this. Is it wrong for a Christian to be interested or involved in politics? No. Is it wrong? <clears throat> no, Scott. Why do you say that? I say no because they're, I mean, they're a Christian. They're a citizen of where they live. Right. And um, I think a Christian's goal in politics would be to participate in a sense that is to better their community and to serve those people around them. And that's what politicians are supposed to be, mm-hmm. at least in our in our sense of like what we have currently yeah. here. Politicians exist to serve the people that they are elected by. Right. And so um, if a Christian wants to be involved in politics, it needs to be from the right heart, I would yes. say, um, of to want to serve people. Uh, not to want to gain influence. Like I think I've yeah. met people before that they want to be in a political position. They want to be on the city council. They want to be elected to this. They want to do this because there's a lot of influence that comes mm. with that. Um, and uh, that would be the wrong motivation. But Christians should want to be involved in politics because they can they can serve people. They can right. help people. Right. And I think it's interesting that uh, – actually, I was talking with Tim, I think, recently about this, about how uh, one of the things that's happened – within our current political situation. This has probably been around since, uh, since government has always been around. But there, if you, if you're interested in going into politics at all, people automatically assume the worst motivation, I think, mm-hmm. because we just see so many prominent bad examples, maybe, or wrong examples. And I'm sure there are good examples of people who go in for right reasons, but we just don't see those as much. Yeah, those don't make the headlines. Those don't make the headlines. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think sometimes people automatically view it like as if, oh, you're wanting to go into politics. Well, you're just wanting power and uh, you're just kind of uh, interested in, in, in why would you ever want to do that? But it is a legitimate calling for a Christian. Not everybody's called to do that in their vocation, but that's a legitimate calling for a Christian, yeah. right? I mean, you mentioned bad examples, but I'm sure there's some horrible examples that you would know better than me because you're, you're a history guy, but I dare say that a lot of people, when they get into politics, they do good and bad, like yeah. all of them. All of them do good things. All of them do bad things that you can that you can point to. All the presidents that we've had, no doubt, you could go to them and go and look at the different policies they established and the different things, and we could go through the list, and all of them we would say to some extent, look, at this was good. Right. And this was bad. This was good. And there might be more bad than good at the end. Yeah. But why is that? I mean, it's because we're dealing with bad people. I mean, we're yeah. dealing with sinful people. And I think that that gives an opportunity for an example to where the Bible doesn't speak to what kind of political uh, establishment needs to exist, whether like a monarchy or democracy. But it does speak to the fallenness of humanity, Mm. Mm -hmm. the fact that people fail, that they will do both good and bad. So that is a principle, that's a teaching that informs maybe what kind of political system might be superior to another to Mm. guard against some one person doing something terrible mm-hmm. without any checks or balances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's an, that's just an example of how the Bible doesn't say specifically no, but mm-hmm. it t- talks a lot about humanity mm-hmm. and sinfulness mm-hmm. and what we are capable of. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that informs our decision about what what kind of political system we have. Mm-hmm. It also talks about what the broad goal and purpose of 
the civil magistrate of government, the state is for, right? It's ultimately for the good and the protection of the citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree. I think as Christians, whenever we talk about the two kingdoms, um, it's not as if um, I, as a Christian, my Christian beliefs no longer influence how I act in the world. It's not oh, as if yeah. I drop those dead right. at the door. They do, but in the church, we're really just focusing on the big issues. And then you as Christians are really going to be asked to think <laughs> and asked to process and wisely apply those those truths that you know that are true to your world life and to your, your life outside of the church in, right. in, the, in this world. Yeah. You're asked to apply that. I mean, as a Christian, I guess this would be the same way in politics, but if I go into the automotive industry, my goal as a Christian is not to turn the automotive industry into the Christian automotive industry, right? right? Or like the church of the automotive industry. Right. That's not my goal. My goal is to make good cars mm-hmm. and where whatever my job is. But right. then also, yeah, if God gives opportunity to share the gospel, I still, I'm going to be a good faithful Christian. So I might read my Bible on break and I, mm-hmm. people might see me pray, but I'm not going to force people to pray. I'm not going to force people to read their Bible. I'm not going to do any of that because right. that's, I'm not... That sounds bad. I'm not here for that. Right. I'm here to work in this in this right. job. And I, I think it'd kind of be the same in politics. Like if if I were to go into politics and run, it's because I want good for my community. Right. And so I'm going to still be a Christian. I'm gonna, still going right. to take opportunities to share the gospel. But at every, you know, every time I'm speaking a speech, it doesn't need to be a sermon. Right. It's not the purpose of it. Right. Uh, you know, I'll preach here at church. This right. is what I do here. But there, no, we're going to talk about policies and making the roads better and doing these different right. things. And this is blah, blah, blah. But hopefully my Christian walk and my faith with the Lord is, yes, it's going to influence it. But my goal isn't then to turn Monroe County into a mini Christian mm. utopia. Right. And God's calling upon you as the as a part of the government, is mm-hmm. not to turn Monroe no. into a church. Right, no. Right? That's, That's not your call. Job. That's the church's job, about. right? And so your job as a, whatever yeah. that part is within mm-hmm. the government is to to take care of everybody else underneath that as best you can, not to make them all um, one giant church right. state. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so don't don't make yourself feel like you have to do that. And one of the things that can happen, and, and this goes back, I think, to what you were talking about with the church blending in, doing things they shouldn't do. And we see this in political situations where, the, where God language is used or scripture language is used. And we almost, um, if we're not careful, we can start diluting what the gospel is because we want to hear the word God a lot in religious talk yeah. or in political talk, right. excuse me. And so um, if we're not careful, um, what we what we'll hear is we'll start praising things because we hear vague references to God or the deity. Um, and we automatically start thinking, well, they're, they're Christians. That's good. That makes me feel better. Well, the, their job is not <laughs> to go make church members of all the people of the country. Their job is to take care and to bear the sword for the civil realm. And, but cause see what, what happens then is then we start to lose the gospel and dilute it. So we yeah. actually don't get either one being well done. We actually start losing yeah. the truth of the gospel and it starts losing its punch because we've been trying to. So, I mean, maybe this is wrong of me. I don't mean it to be, but like, I don't, I don't see myself fighting really hard to get prayer into schools, public schools. I don't see myself fighting really hard to get the Bible read in school or uh, the fact that our money says in God we trust, if that goes away, like I need to fight for this or, you know, the Pledge of Allegiance is a big one. They take God out of it or not. Like I just don't see myself 
as a pastor, really trying to fight hard for that because I guess my response would be that's not their job. Right. That's our job as the church and and as families and as families. And so that's any right. in any uh, lowering of the moral standard in our country or the lowering of Christianity, I, I'm not going to place the blame on government. I'm going to place the blame on the church and Christians of just not being mm-hmm. what they're supposed to be in their daily lives. Like that's, that's what's happening there. It's not the government's job again, to teach our kids how to pray in, in schools and stuff like that. So, but I think a lot of people would see that as you're not being a faithful Christian because Christian, cause you're not taking a stand in this realm. Mm. Don't you think it's good they pray in school? I guess, but it does mix it. It mixes it, like you say, to where we start to get a little confused. Well, the problem can be, right? I mean, if they start praying to a vague God, well, I don't worship a vague God. Right, I worship the God. This is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ that you have sent. Yeah. And so um, one of the things that can happen is, is, and we see it's happening, particularly in American, I think evangelicalism at large, is we've given up training the Christian faith to our children and to people in the church because it sounds and feels too formal. Right. Mm -hmm. But they're getting... They're getting trained out in the world in all sorts of things in a formal and informal way. And so that's our job. That's on us Mm -hmm. to make sure that the Christian faith is passed on from generation to generation. And it will be. And it doesn't mean that also that that, um, you can't take an active part in the political life around you as a citizen. No, yeah. But I think it's very important for us to always... We don't separate the two, but we do make a distinction between our life as church members right. and our life as citizens. We're one person, but we wear different hats. Yeah. Right? But I would say as a pastor, and I would urge you guys in this too, even as a citizen, I would be very careful of, as Citizen Tim, talking about certain things because people can't separate Citizen Tim from Pastor Tim. You're talking about in a pastoral situation. Or even out and about, like, right? Like, no, I know like what, you what mean. me You're and you kidding. might talk about, right? You know, just us. Right. But then maybe another member of the church would come, and we're just at a barbecue, and it's not really a right. church setting. But I might not be comfortable talking to them about right. my thoughts on this because they're gonna take that as Pastor Tim, or right. or maybe even out in in public if people know me as the pastor right. of this church still being leery of right speaking my mind necessarily about certain things because i don't want it to taint the real goal that i have as pastor of the gospel message being right. portrayed it's funny you say that because me and courtney were having a conversation about this whenever we were gone to missouri and we were having a conversation and uh about this various thing um about because uh about the fact that people always see you as pastor. And she was like, and it was interesting. We were having a conversation and I think we basically agreed um, uh, overall. Um, we, we did. We both, we both have a concern, but it's interesting how we're, um, I'm personally probably uh, more interested in this topic, politics. And it's, so it can be hard for people who are interested in it to, to try to separate it. But I want to do that. And my goal, and I agree with you, I think we should all have the goal of uh, of making sure that we're 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 doing the very best we can to separate the two while being active as best we can but also at the same time never compromising our commission um, yeah. so anyway it was just saying that not to say you know j- but just to say that that's an interesting topic that that people do need to think yeah. about so i have a question then so 
one of the things that we've tried to point out is that the Bible doesn't speak specifically to all of these things that we're talking about, but it does have instruction and principles that would help maybe inform a person's decision on a particular policy or something. So in that sense, like we're trying to say pretty loud and clear that like our job as pastors is not to tell people who to vote for or what to think about politics in this realm or that. But do you think it's helpful at times for us as pastors, since practically speaking, we probably have more time than the average church member to, to immerse ourselves in Scripture and to study these topics and subjects to be informed about them. Is there any place where it actually would be helpful on the part of the pastor to help church members think through situations that are, in, that are political in nature? I mean, maybe I, I'd need an example, I guess. It'd be on a case-by-case thing. I, I, I personally feel that when I preach on Sunday morning, I'm doing that. Now, I'm trusting the Holy Spirit takes that to them and helps them to see that. You know, uh, it's, in, uh, it's in the book Preacher and Preachers where it says if you're preaching well, then you are actually counseling all of these people one-on-one mm-hmm. in that room in that it will minimize the counseling sessions of one-on-one because you're trusting, you're preaching well, and the Holy Spirit is then using that for where that person is in their life, right, and speaking to them and speaking to their hearts. And so I would hope that if I'm preaching faithfully, then I'm doing that. Mm -hmm. We are hitting a little on foreign policy, and we're hitting on candidates without saying their name and and the platforms. Um, I guess the problem would be a lot of times the people sitting in the pews aren't reading the platforms and they're not knowing these things. Maybe they're just attached to something because that's how it's always been. And so they don't really know that I wouldn't be comfortable like bringing up, here's the, here's the platform of this party. Let's go through it and talk about it biblically. And now we're going to take this platform and go through it. I wouldn't personally be comfortable. With that. That's where I'm going to say you as a Christian need to do your task as a Christian. Sure. So let's, let's take a subject that's not uh, necessarily like in today's world a big hot-button issue. Maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. I don't, uh, women having the right to vote hasn't always been there. There was a time in American history when a lot of people argued about that. You have a person in your church at that time who's trying to think through whether or not women should have the right to vote, and they're trying to think through that. There's people on both sides. One says yes, one says no. So, do you, do you, are you, and they come to you asking yeah. for help. How do you use scripture and principles in there to talk to them specifically about that? Yeah, issue? one is based on my relationship with them already. That would be one. But two, I might just have them things to read, honestly. Like point them in a direction. I've done this even theologically when people have some questions where I don't feel. Maybe I feel one way about this theologically, but if they go the other way theologically, I'm not going to say you're now not a Christian. It's something that people differ on, where I I would give them reading material or things and say, you go study and pray and read the Bible and you do this, come back to me. I might do that in that case as well. Unless I feel it's just pretty cut and dry, then I could go to which I guess I feel that way a lot of times about decisions I make. <laughs> we all do, don't we? Like, you're an idiot if you don't think this way. <laughs> but um, I would try to be pretty careful with it. Um, but I, I don't know. The women's vote thing, I guess, to me now is 
I would it'd be easy for me to answer that question. It is right now because it's not a hot button issue. (laughs) I know, but I mean, just because of our last podcast and like what we talked about there and all that, like I feel like I could really bring that out biblically to say this is it. And Mm -hmm. I don't know how you would go the other way with this here. Right. (laughs) But yeah. But I think there's a lot of issues like that where some Christians like, I don't know how you could go the other way with this. It's pretty clear. I know. I'm trying to think of one where Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, like that issue right there, Scott, I think the honest answer is the Bible doesn't really talk about it much at all. Right. I mean, mean, that's not, and I think. I think people should honestly be okay with us having a limited mm-hmm. giving them talk, talks about that. Like I, for instance, I'm not going to go to the pediatrician to figure out how to work on my car. People shouldn't come to us for political advice. Sure. And I think, I think, but I think just being honest about the fact that we're limited in our job calling. And if you're asking me to do something that I'm not called to do as a pastor, I can tell you that the, what the Bible says about ethics, about morals, Mm -hmm. but about that specific political action. Mm -hmm. um, And that's what I'm saying though, is like there's, when you ask that question about women having the right to vote, there are certain questions about ethics and morals that are involved in that. And that's what we can speak to from scripture. Can, does the, but you're right. right. The Bible doesn't right. say should women vote or should they not. Right. It doesn't say that, but it does talk about women in general, value that they have in general, rights that we have in terms of just being treating each other as humans. Sure. I guess what I'm trying to to also say at the same time is, as pastors, we don't simply bury our heads in the sand. No. And not have simply not have opinions and say if somebody comes to me asking about a political question going on. I don't think the right response either is to say, I'm a pastor. I don't have an opinion about that. But I don't think also, I would push back a little bit. They, they shouldn't come to me for opinions. They that, should come to you to ask you, hey, look, does the Bible say anything about this? And if somebody says that question, I think we then have an open door to say, well, what well, the Bible certain, says, here's what the Bible says. Like, right. you know, this subject and it, it involves what we think about humanity and the fallen nature of humans. And so let's study that a little bit. And so you see how that might have an implication on the decision you make in this. I haven't told them what to think, but I've showed them what the Bible says about this subject that relates to that. Hmm. And so I think, I think there's, there's two errors. We've talked a lot about the error of there's churches that are way too political and try to equate, you know, the church with the United States of America. But we also, I don't think we should be afraid to try to teach what the Bible says if it relates to a specific subject that is just a hot button issue in politics right now, if that makes sense. Right. I mean, we talked about that, like with abortion. I mean, yeah. it's a hot button thing. Mm-hmm. We're going to, well, we would speak to it. No mm-hmm. problem. Well, it's very clear. Yeah. And it's, and it's a clear thing. Mm-hmm. My thing, my thing more so with, I very rarely have had anybody come to me with a very good natured way and say, pastor, I just, I don't, I really don't know. I'm, I'm wondering what scripture says about this. That very rarely happens. In fact, it's usually someone on the far side over it on the right or the far side over the left who already has their mind made up Mm -hmm. and is really just trying to trap you. Hmm. It's really trying to have you give them more ammunition to fire at the other side. That's what they're looking for. And so then I'm not going to touch that. I'm probably going to go to the fruits of the spirit and say, (laughs) you don't have this. Mm -hmm. This is the problem. Couldn't care less about how you're voting right now because this is more detrimental. Mm to your life. And that's what I personally see politically right now. I, I enjoy the discussion that we've had and I've agreed with everything mm-hmm. we've said. And I, I, I think it's been very 
valuable. But if we're really going to talk to people about politics right now, I think we need to talk about how to be a good Christian in the midst of the political climate that we're in. Yeah. Not necessarily who you're voting for and how you're voting, but how you're treating other people, whether in your circle or outside of your circle. To me, that's been the most heartbreaking thing to see. Mm. It seems like a lot of Christians are not willing to even listen, or they listen just with the, with the want to attack right away instead of just let them talk for the day. I'm just going to let them talk. And that's been my biggest concern, I would say, within the church and politics, is people not willing, not willing to do that. And if you do try to bring up something, you're seen as on the other side. Instead of just saying, no, I'm just, I'm just talking these things through. You know, I'm just trying to figure these things out. What, what if they really are hurting? What if something bad is happening there? You know, what if this is the way that we should go? And trying to, but that's not even there, it seems like, anywhere hmm. very much anymore. Hmm. And that's where I think the church needs to speak into it more so. Hmm. Is That's why I say the fruits of the Spirit. Are you exhibiting that in your political life? If not, you have a problem. Hmm. You can push for the things of God and government all you want in abortion, but if you're not living a pro-life way where you're respecting people and loving people and living with integrity, then don't tell me you're pro-life because mm. you're not living according to the things of Scripture, mm. that, right, that we would stand for. Mm-hmm. That's where I would say that's our job, right? The government, the outside source isn't going to do those things. That's what we need to do. And that's what, how I feel like with what, what you're saying. Like, don't come to me about opinions because I see these other problems that really need to be dealt with, that we really need to talk mm. about here. Mm. Um, and that, that's been frustrating for me and why to be honest i very rarely the only person i have political conversations with really is spencer because most other people when i talk to them i instantly know where they're going to go and what they're going to say and they don't want to hear what anybody else has to say and so there's not really a discussion it's just like three michigan fans just talking about how awesome michigan is (laughs) you know what i mean and there's no no nothing really benefiting benefiting there uh in anything and so that's one of my big fears just with this whole election and everything is, is there going to be more bitterness? Is there going to be more hatred? You know, is there going to be more of this? Because that's not supposed to define the church. Mm. And when we come into this building to worship together corporately, we're supposed to be united in Christ, not united on our president, mm. not united on anything within our government. We're united on scripture. And so if the lady across the aisle from me, believes in Christ and trusts in him and is following God's word the best she can, but she voted no on this policy and I voted yes, I should still be able to cry with her, Mm -hmm. to hug Mm -hmm. her, to care for her, to love her. And if I can't, then the politics stuff has gotten too far. And I would say maybe Mm -hmm. you need to get out of it. That's right. Well, and it can become an idol. Mm -hmm. It can be. It it definitely can. And I think uh, a good reminder to all of us is this is uh, your political vote this November or any election is not the um, determiner of whether or not you get to heaven. Right. And I think we want to make sure that everybody feels that in the room. Absolutely. You know what? It don't, you know, and at the end. <laughs> I remember the big talk last time was, am I a Christian if I don't vote? Right. Like I heard that come right. out. Like you have to, mm-hmm. you right. got to vote for one or the other. It was, you right. got to vote for Donald Trump. You got to vote for Hillary Clinton. If you don't vote, then you're not being a good Christian. And I was like, what? Really? Wow. Okay. And I just don't know if that's, 
true. I mean, I want to be a good citizen. I want to do all right. these things, but you're putting that on me. That's pretty right. heavy mm-hmm. here. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and I think also the, uh, we, we, we have so many churches that have the gospel wrong. Yeah. And so we really want to make sure we get that right. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, we, we do want to help people walk through those things, um, with all of these issues. Cause that is part of living the Christian life is being mm-hmm. a citizen. That yeah. is, you, you can't escape that responsibility. Right. So we're not saying that either, that you can abdicate, uh, I don't know if I said that word right, but you can't get rid of that responsibility. And right. the church will flourish according to God's plan and purpose. Like we talked about with Paul, horrible political climate, especially right. to be a Christian. Right. Horrible. But right. yet the church flourished. Yeah. They weren't. They didn't want the church to meet. They didn't want the church to get together. Nero's burning Christians. Like people are using Christians. All these different things are happening. Yet the church continued to plow forward because God was working it. That's it's not his just in work. history. It's even nowadays. Like one of the fastest growing churches in the world is the church that's in Iran. Mm-hmm. You have churches in places like China mm-hmm. where like regular. China. <laughs> where, you know, where, yeah. <laughs> All right, we just that's awesome. Hit it, you know, and uh, and place in places where like they are they are not uh, welcomed, mm. you know, so to speak, mm-hmm. and but they're still flourishing. So right. it's like you don't have to have a Christian government to have a Christian church. Nope, mm. that's flourishing. No, right. You know? mm-hmm. So that's right. right. Yeah. Christ's yeah. kingdom. Still goes. That's right. right. One of the most discouraging things is when you see, like, if there's a vote that goes the way that mm. a Christian doesn't want it to go, we act as if we've been defeated. Right. We've not yeah. been defeated. This was right. not the battle that we were right. that we were put here right. to fight. Right. But that's a fear, yeah. isn't that? That's we joked about it the other day, but it's not a joking matter. But the Sunday after November third or fourth, whatever election day is this year, third, I think. Is it the third? Yeah. I think. Yeah. That Sunday after. Is not like an enjoyable day for us to look forward to to preach because it seems like for some it's either going to be a victory party mm. or for others it's going to be all right pastor let's let's talk about jesus coming back because it, it's got to be happening. <laughs> yeah 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 and that's just not true right we should come still ready to worship god still ready to hear from right. god's word wherever it is right. ready to praise and honor him for his goodness to us regardless right. mm-hmm. of what happens but just the fact of the matter is i don't know if that's going to be the mood here mm-hmm you know, and but I wish it was. I, I really mm. wish it was, and that's what kind of shows this real melting of the two worlds. That's mm. not extremely healthy. I mean, it's impossible to separate mm-hmm. them. You don't need to separate. Mm-hmm. We live in them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, like you said, it's not. It's not the end. Mm-hmm. We've won already through Christ, so right. <laughs> we right. can come and celebrate and praise. Right, and that's what we do. That's what we do. Um, I've really enjoyed this conversation, guys. Um, I think that's enough for today. Uh, but uh, I think it's a good conversation that, um, in, a, in a sense like this, where we're talking about these big issues like this, uh, that Christians um, can be helped by um, and uh, to help think through how they can properly exercise um, their responsibility as a citizen and as a part of, of this country that is a, a gift to be given the, the ability to um, have a responsibility and to take part in the government. That is a gift. Praise God for that. Um, and we, uh, we pray that uh, God would use it um, for his glory in the world as we know he will. But we also want to make sure that regardless, whatever happens, Christ Jesus, every Lord's Day, we get together 
um, it's it's about him ultimately. Yeah. He's gonna the next world belongs to him, <laughs> and uh, right. and every time you get together here on Sunday morning, you're kind of already stepping into that next world, right? You have come to the mountain that may not be touched. Not you're coming, but you've come. All right, thank you guys so much. I hope this was been this has been encouraging to you at home. Thank you for listening, and uh, we look forward to being with you next time. Take care and God bless.